0: I've seen other people who own fingerprint businesses go from 60 grand a year in services to all of a sudden they're doing YouTube and people are starting to know them. They're getting their brand recognition out there and they they jump to like 130 grand a year.
1: Are you looking for a unique niche to start a business? Then you should think about the fingerprinting industry. These services are used by companies across the public and private sectors, but it's not a type of business many people think to start. And that means lots of opportunity to stand out as an entrepreneur. I'm Alex Freeman. And today on the Upflip podcast, I'm talking to Daniel Jerkiewicz, founder and CEO of Fingerprinting Classes. Their mission is to decentralize the fingerprinting industry and helping others to learn, grow and operate fingerprinting businesses all over the world. With a background in marketing and eight years experience as a police officer, Dan is uniquely qualified to run a fingerprinting business. And today he's sharing that knowledge with our listeners. We'll learn how he built his business and customer base, what systems he uses to manage leads and workflow, and why the fingerprinting niche is a great choice for aspiring entrepreneurs. I know I'm excited to hear Dan's insights, and I hope you are too. Let's go meet him. Dan, welcome to the show. Alex, thank you so much. That was quite the intro. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, well, well deserved. But let's start. Let's start with your story. How did you get into the fingerprinting industry?
0: You know, it's it's pretty funny. You mentioned the eight years of police work, you know, experience. Started in uh, Brooklyn as as a beat cop, did five years there. Ended up moving from Brooklyn to the suburbs. So when you move from the inner city to the suburbs, and you kind of restart, you go from what your pay scale was to like nothing again. Like you're a rookie again. So figured I need to start a business, and this is a while ago. Started a marketing agency dealt specifically with fingerprinting businesses, knew some people in the industry already, then started realizing that this is a real business that people can start. Nobody's starting this. So built our own course, did our own fingerprints, learned everything about the industry inside and out. And now we're really trying to change the world, allow other people to offer the exact same business that I kind of started in. And that's what brings us to today.
1: What systems or SOPs do you have in place to ensure exceptional customer service?
0: So Amazon, they have set the bar so high. <laughs> they, <laughs> companies like Amazon, 7-Eleven, just regular you know, live chat support tickets on all these websites. They, all these companies have set the bar so high. And if you look at these companies, there's a reason why Amazon makes a bajillion dollars every single year. And it's because if you looked at Jeff Bezos's, you know, entire just mission on what, you know, what works, why are, do we do what we do, it's, everything is focused on the customer. So we took that same framework and we made standard operating procedures. We made clear, I would say, like CRMs that we use and clear guidelines on how to service the customer specifically. And what we do is basically like any other appointment-based booking system or or appointment-based company. So let's say you're looking to go and get a massage and you go to any of these franchises massage envy or you know whatever's local to your state you're going to land on their website and they're going to have like a checkout process right there on the website they're going to tell you exactly what type of massage you need how much it costs they're going to try and upsell you they're going to give you email notifications text reminders all this stuff and it's because the massage industry is you know very profitable you know you hire some licensed masseuses come in and you just do some marketing and you just pump out the appointments we're not going to fix what's not broken so we just took what was working in other appointment-based businesses, and we applied it to fingerprinting. Nobody's ever done it before, which is crazy, but it's what we did, so very easy. It's a website that has an appointment scheduler pasted right onto the website, custom one that we developed, we have all of our clients use it. You set up a simple Google My Business. Google My Business gets you local search traffic, do a little bit of local search engine optimization onto it, push it with some paid advertising, which is actually pretty cheap for fingerprinting services as an industry, and you route all that traffic to the website, and the standard operating procedure is basically, if they book an appointment, great, follow up with them, make sure that they know they're getting the service that they need. If they don't book an appointment, follow up with them and have them book an appointment. Very simple. Generate appointments, do the appointments, rinse and repeat. You have a six-figure business.
1: Wow. That sounds so easy when you put it that way. For yourself, when you got started, what was the biggest challenge that you faced in getting this this business off the ground?
0: It, you know, it's it was definitely the the knowledge. A lot of it, I mean, I'll employ anybody who's listening after this to go and Google fingerprinting in XYZ state, whatever state you live in, even if you don't live in the US and you're listening to this in Canada or Australia, wherever you are, Google fingerprinting. It's needed all over the world. It's needed all over the US. There's like no information on it. So that was the biggest pitfall for me. It was the biggest hurdle to get over was finding the information. Now, luckily I had clients who were fingerprinting businesses. And I was able to sit there in the trenches six, seven, eight hours a day and just learn, 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 learn. I learned by doing, I learned by seeing other people who were successful doing it. I took all their information, packed it into the old noggin, and then eventually just blurted out onto a course and made it available to the public.
1: I believe you mentioned, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there, there isn't a licensing procedure for performing fingerprinting services.
0: No, it's 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 pretty crazy, man. i tell you. So in California, that's like the only state where they require you to be what's called like a, a certified fingerprint roller, but that's only for the state fingerprinting background services. And I won't go, you know, way down into the rabbit hole with this, but... If you're going to be doing what we call like the commercial fingerprinting services, so that's things like federal fingerprint-based FBI background checks, financial background checks, fingerprint cards, things like that, you can go anywhere in the U.S., anywhere in the world. As long as you have the right equipment, you must have the right equipment, and you can operate this business. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have general you know, business liability insurance or, you know, set up an LLC or an S Corp or a sole prop or whatever you're going to do, you still have to do general business practice. But as far as training and certifications, no. You could purchase the materials from any company that sells it. You can figure it out on your own. You can come to us and you can provide this as a service. You could be a convicted felon. You can operate this business. There's nothing stopping you. You can be you know of I mean conducive on child labor laws, but you could be fifteen years old and you could operate this business uh, if you're old enough within your state to do that I'm not, I'm not employing fifteen year olds to go buy fingerprint scanning technology because you may <laughs> you may you may turn some heads uh, maybe you talk to your parents first, you know it's sometimes there's a little bit of investment starting up, but you could do it if you wanted to. there's nothing stopping people, which is the craziest thing in the world, which is why when we saw this opportunity, we are like all right this is this is out of control. people need to know about this.
1: And as you, you mentioned, that you got to have the right equipment. So what are, those, what are those pieces of equipment and where does somebody go to acquire them?
0: Yeah, so that equipment, it's called uh, live scan technology. So live scan technology, and this is a common misconception in the industry. When you, when you start Googling you know, live scan vendors and you know, fingerprint scanners, things like that, you're going to get all sorts of crazy stuff. The only thing that you need is two things. You need a fingerprint scanner that captures fingerprints. So if anybody here has ever been arrested hopefully for nothing crazy, you'll know that when you do, you get fingerprinted. Or if you've ever had to be fingerprinted for a job or employment before, if you're a nurse, if you're a real estate agent, insurance agent, you've had to be fingerprinted before. So you, some people will be familiar with this process. Those scanners are available to the public. So that's step number one. You need a scanner. Step number two is you need software with that scanner. You can purchase a scanner on Amazon. You could type in Suprema, RealScan, G10 fingerprint scanner, all this crazy stuff. You can buy them. But if you don't have software attached to them, it's basically a paperweight. So step number two is you need the software. So the software is built by maybe four or five companies within the U.S. PrintScan was one of the companies that you know I kind of earned my stripes under, and we still work with them closely today. And they're the company that we get our materials from specifically. They make software that attaches to those fingerprint scanners, that hardware. And what that software does is it reads the fingerprints, it collects them, and then it sends them to the appropriate agency, appropriate state, whoever's requesting that background check. So for example, if you have a scanner and you have the software, all you have to do is go out and market the services. Let's say John wants to get fingerprinted by you, you own the business. You say, John, come on over, we'll fingerprint you. You open up the software, you crack it open on your laptop, enter in your logins, capture the fingerprints, hit submit, everything else is done for you. And that software is made by whatever company in this example, PrintScan. PrintScan does all the stuff on the back end. So it's almost like drop shipping for digital services. So it's funny as, as the more questions we're going to ask, we're going to peel back more layers of the onion on fingerprinting and people are going to be like, all right, what what is going on here? This is out of control. But to, to make a long story short, scanner and software, and that's really all you need is those two things.
1: Wow, so I mean it's it seems like a pretty pretty low lift to get started uh in there. What I mean from a monetary perspective, what is the kind of initial investment that someone's looking at?
0: Yeah, so it's different across the board. Companies they'll charge different amounts depending on what type of system it is. So, if it's a system that just does state fingerprinting services, could be anywhere between $6 to $8,000. If it's a system that does state fingerprinting services and the commercial services like those federal fingerprint based background checks, you know, financial background checks, fingerprint cards, things like that. They could be a little bit pricier. They could go anywhere between the nine and the 10 range. Uh, all you have to do after that is attach it to maybe an e-learning course, coaching, consulting, marketing services, which is what our company really focuses on. And you're looking at anywhere of a startup cost between you know six thousand to if you want somebody to do the entire thing for you, you just show up with a turnkey business anywhere in the market of like twenty four thousand, which is pretty crazy when you think about it because it's actually less than starting most franchises, and they take revenue share, they do all this crazy stuff, and you know, so anywhere between six to twenty four will get you into the business. It just depends how much work you want to do.
1: And this is definitely a niche that's not widely known. I mean, I definitely think that it's certainly not something that comes front of mind to most people until someone's telling you, you need to go get fingerprinted for a background check of some kind. So could you briefly describe what what you're doing at fingerprinting classes?
0: Yeah, it's a very good question. It's probably the biggest question that we get by far for anybody who wants to start this. So fingerprinting classes, the business in and of itself, it's a team of people that are dedicated to teaching people how to start a local fingerprinting business. So it's a real business. We give you, you know, physical materials, we give you the software to operate the actual scanners. We tell you exactly what services that you can provide in your state. We give you all the marketing expertise, a website, like we build the business pretty much from the ground up. Like the only thing that these people have to do is show up with a body temperature of like 98%, like we're going to do most of the work with you. And if we get people who are excited to start like a real business, looking to start something that's in the niche that's like totally underserved right now, it's not something that is, you know, let's say Amazon FBA or something that's maybe some people think is played out. So it's like a fresh new sector, a fresh new industry. So, our company mission at Fingerprinted Classes is teaching as many people as possible on how to start a niche business like that so that they can get to that financial freedom, recurring revenue, quit a job, or just add it on as another business to their portfolio that they're already doing.
1: And is your is your primary value proposition to your customers that it's fairly turnkey for them once they come to you?
0: Yeah, you know, a lot of people ask. They say, uh, "Is this a franchise?" And it's actually not a franchise. We just license the model of what we've seen that works with our other clients. So by us starting as a marketing agency for fingerprinting companies specifically, we have that unique value proposition where we know exactly. What works and what doesn't work. So, in our program, like we're going to give you all the materials and all the training and certifications and stuff like that. But we basically give you the exact roadmap. We do the physical work for you, like the tech heavy work, setting up the websites, the marketing, and you just got to show up. And, you know, really, we don't do everything when it comes to setting up the business. It's really the person on the other end. So, we try not to take credit for their success because at the end of the day, if somebody's willing to jump into this feed first, you know they're the person that's taking on the the opportunity so we're really just there to help them out and then cheer them on and it's like the best company in the world we, we, you know we wake up people are getting results it's just uh, it's pretty cool to see man
1: and you you mentioned that mission of you know bringing bringing that fin- fingerprinting to the masses and so why why do you want to decentralize the fingerprinting industry and and how has that mission shaped the services you're offering
0: You know, it's funny you ask when we started as a marketing agency doing this, we realized that there's really only like three companies, three big companies that are doing this. Their model was very like, um, it was very not customer oriented, uh, you know, customer service oriented. They were just taking fingerprinting systems, slapping them into any old, you know, basements of gun shops or like, you know, inside of a target. And really there was no customer service. So the biggest complaint within the industry was people were looking to get fingerprints especially after the pandemic. People were looking to get fingerprinted and they could not find a place. They found a place that had terrible customer service. They're calling companies and they're just not answering. So that's what brought us to the place of, you know what, this is what we need. This is is what the market is telling us was what we need right now. The market is telling us that there is an overabundance of demand for fingerprinting services and no supply of businesses to offer those services. And contrary to popular belief, what I learned in the industry, it's not hard to offer it. You don't need any license, no certifications. You just need the knowledge on like what it is. Like what are you actually doing? What, what you know, what do you need to actually start this business? It's as easy as getting a scanner, getting the software with the scanner and finding out who to market these services to and what services you could do in, in your state. If you know that, that's the key to success and that's what we do.
1: Shifting shifting focuses a little bit more to from someone who might want to operate their own fingerprinting business to actually uh, fingerprinting classes. Your company, how are you generating leads and building brand? Oh yeah,
0: that's uh, yeah. So that's that's the fun part. That's where I'll throw on. uh, I'll take off my CEO hat and I'll throw on the CMO hat real quick. So (laughs) YouTube has probably been the best for me. And I'll say this. For anybody with a local business, let's say you're listening to this right now and you do a side gig, you do a side business, you're a real estate agent, you do whatever. YouTube has a place for every single person in their life. Whether you want to be a YouTube star, PewDiePie, whatever you want to do, more power to you. But if you own a small business, a big business, if you do coaching, consulting, dropship, whatever it is, YouTube has been the key to my success. I've seen other people who own fingerprint businesses go from 60 grand a year in services to all of a sudden they're doing YouTube and people are starting to know them. They're getting their brand recognition out there and they they jump to like 130 grand a year. They have a a partner. Their partner has one of their systems. They're getting affiliate revenue off them. It gets crazy. Video marketing is the key to everything in my eyes, especially in today's day and age. Everything else is good, but video marketing really works the best in my experience. YouTube, that's where everybody's going. I mean, if you look at the stats on how many hours, hours a day people are spending on YouTube, it's astonishing. It's the number two search engine in the world. So it only makes sense that all of the leads, all of the brand recognition, all the focus completely on YouTube.
1: For someone who maybe hears that and says, okay, well, I got to step into YouTube. What what tips do you have for them as, as kind of those first steps that they should take?
0: So if you're going to be starting a YouTube channel, and it's funny that you asked that because... We have actually a very small audience, but we have a very engaged audience. So, the quality of the content is more important to us than like, you know, having a million subscribers. Because if we had a million subscribers, and this is going to be for the people who are looking to start something like that too, you don't want to focus on the subscribers right away because it is difficult in the beginning. You want to focus on quality content. Think of who your audience is going to be and make content for that audience. And the best way to find that out is what do you enjoy doing? And just make content based off of that because that's gonna do one of two things. First of all, everybody here, including myself, thinks they're a special snowflake. Sorry to break it to you. If you're hearing it for the first time on this podcast, okay. you're probably not. There's like a hundred thousand other you's. But here's the thing those hundred thousand other you's they don't have somebody to watch on YouTube. You can become that you. You can become the center of that you. Now, whether or not you have the personality profile to be a performer or something like that on YouTube. You don't have to be. You don't have to start in front of a camera. You could do PDF slide presentations with a microphone, like how we're doing now. You could you can do just regular storyboards. You could just do video editing. You could do a whole bunch of different stuff. You could do whiteboard animation videos. Whatever you want to do, just make sure that it does one of two things. You have a clearly defined audience. That's the number one most important thing, because if you make content for everybody, then nobody's going to watch. So clearly defined audience is number one. Number two is make sure that you actually enjoy what you're, what you're making, because that's going to be able to help you sustain it for the long run.
1: So you're, you're I mean, obviously uh, you're clearly an expert in uh, marketing. You have a strong marketing background. You have your law enforcement background. What particular skills or experiences did you find to be the most beneficial for growing your business quickly?
0: Oh, we're going to get into crazy stuff now. So there's a guy named Chris Voss he wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. He was, uh, or is a former FBI hostage negotiator. I read his book when it first came out, uh, probably about three years ago now. And uh, it's funny that you you know you're talking about the cop history. I'm actually currently my title is detective. I don't like to put it out there too much, but congratulations, everybody knows now who's listening. So <laughs> the the uh, the interview tactics, the negotiation tactics, to translated from the police industry to business has been my number one factor in being successful by far. Um, I, I, I will say nothing else can I point our success, our client's success, because I teach all this stuff to work. Cl- as much as I know, I just try to brain dump it into everybody else just to help as much as possible. Um, it's why I became a cop in the first place. You know, Now I'm just doing it with business. But interview tactics, negotiation tactics, interrogation tactics, obviously making sure that they're ethical, Using it in business has been like my number one lego.
1: That's actually the first time anyone's mentioned Never Split the Difference on the podcast. And I also read that book about two years ago and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it's a it I think it's an essential read for anyone looking to really do anything.
0: Absolutely. I have Closed deals, became a better salesperson, helped my team become better salespeople, helped people become better people. It's just the amount of, I mean, I took his masterclass on that app, masterclass.com, I think it was, whatever. I've watched that probably about like 10 times over. It's 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 been like my one, it's probably my favorite book right now. I couldn't recommend it enough. I've gifted it to like three people already.
1: So in the uh, actual operation of the business, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned during this the, the beginnings of the business?
0: Yeah, so operations... I'm getting better at this. So forgive me, if anybody here has operated a business and like they're purely operational, reach out to me because I love to pick your brain. But as revenue scales, as you hire more people, as more things come into play, as there's more moving pieces within the business, operations is so important. It's just as important as marketing and sales. Marketing and sales get you to the plate. Operations is what allows you to hit a home run and continue to hit home runs and do that month over month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year. So I firmly believe that operations comes down to a people a people problem. If you do not have good people working with you and working for you with a clearly aligned mission, you will just crumble and die. You have to have people working towards a mission. You have to have people who are excited to come to work. You have to have people who are qualified to do the thing that they're being paid to do. People being in the HR business within your business has been the most important thing. It's the season that I'm in in my business right now is making sure that my people are taken care of people are staying happy, the mission is clearly defined, reminding people of the mission every single day. So it comes down to two things, the clearly defined mission and the people that are pushing that mission forward. That to me, I know that's maybe a woo-woo way to say you know, how to handle operations, but if you have great people, you guys will figure it out.
1: Speaking of you, of your people, how many employees do you have currently?
0: So we have 13 now, 12 full-time, one contractor. The contractor will probably be coming on full-time as of like the beginning of the third quarter. But yeah, 13 people. And it's been crazy, man. We started with just me and an intern. And uh, Nick, if you're listening now, shout out. We made it. <laughs> well, we're still making it every day. But yeah, 13 people now, including that one contractor and still looking to hire, still looking to grow.
1: I would say, what do you, How are you uh, attracting the right employees to your business?
0: So in the beginning, it was a lot of assistance, recruiting agencies, number one. You know, my time is very limited. Obviously, two little kids, full-time career, still trying to operate and, you know, lead the business at the same time. So recruiting companies, shout out to all the recruiting companies we've used. You've gotten us amazing A players. Thank you so much. Uh, Recruiting companies, number one, that's pay to play though. You got to pay them and they're going to get you good interviews and you got to make an informed decision from that. Everything else is being looking for somebody who's done it before and not so much done it before but done, but done it twice three times we just hired a head of client success she's done this before she knows what to do i don't need to lead that person as much as let's say somebody who's never done this before you know we have hired you know somebody who started out as an assistant and now they're an operations manager and you know they've done this before although not in an industry like ours they've been doing it their whole life and they're a rock star now so finding people who have done it before and can hop into your business and just continue to do what they've been doing their whole life. Or the expensive option is recruiting agencies, <laughs> to, <laughs> to be totally frank.
1: As the, as the team has grown, how has your leadership approach changed? And how have you developed your your own leadership skills?
0: Drastically, drastically. Uh, it's it, That's another season of my business right now, trying to be a better leader. So one of my goals, personal goal, is not so much to be a leader of a company that goes to seven to eight figures but you know, eventually, be a supervisor in the department that I'm in now. I feel like I have a huge leg up because I'm I'm leading 13 people now, and I'm getting experience for that for eventually when I do become a supervisor as a you know a sergeant, a lieutenant, or whatever it is. But becoming a better leader really comes down to, in my eyes, you need to do the work that everybody else is doing, and show everybody else that you're willing to do the work. If you own the business, you need to realize that. Although you'd like everybody to work as hard as you, nobody is going to work as hard as you because at the end of the day, you own the damn thing. They don't. They're an employee and that's fair. So that must be realized right away. You can't sit there and say, why is this person not answering my Slack message? It's 11 PM. Aren't they excited for fingerprinting? Yeah. Like Mr. CEO, Mrs. CEO, relax. They don't own the business. Give them a break. (laughs) You know, realizing that and realizing that at the end of the day, everything is your fault. Extreme ownership, you know, not to throw other books up there and stuff like that, but having extreme ownership is another one. I, I would really label it to those three things. Doing the work that a CEO maybe shouldn't do because it's not the best use of their time, but it really is because it shows the team that you're willing to do it. So it has that compounding, lasting effect, being in the trenches with them. Number two is realizing that, you know, and just to recap this, that they're an employee and you're the owner. You're supposed to work harder than them. You own the the business. Realize that and accept that. And then number three is extreme ownership. If you hire somebody and they're a bad fit, it's your fault. It's not their fault. If a customer requests a refund because they didn't get results, it's your fault. It's not their fault. It's always your fault because you own the business. And remembering those three things daily is something that I try to do. I'm getting better at it. I am. (laughs) But uh, it doesn't go for just you know bigger companies like us. It goes for smaller companies, side hustles, sole, sole proprietor, everything, everything. Have that from the beginning, I believe you'd be very successful.
1: So you've made mention of this, uh, you know, along with owning fingerprint classes. You're you're a detective. You have two young children. How are you balancing your time?
0: you ever been here the company Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. A lot, yeah, a lot, a lot of Starbucks. <laughs> a lot, a lot of, a lot of coffee. Yeah, a, a lot of coffee and a burning desire to. I guess make a difference. You know, I've I've wanted to be a cop since I was five, and being a cop is great. Uh, I'm stressful at times, but really it's great. But I've also always wanted to be financially free, and you can become financially free with a good civil service job like that, but it takes a long time and I'm impatient. So I'll sacrifice maybe a little bit of sleep and some central nervous system issues with all the caffeine that I put in my body for, uh, to speed that process up a little bit, you know, I'll just remember to take it slow once I reach my goal.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and in that, you know, what are, as we look at kind of like reaching those goals, what are, where are you at now? What are the monthly, what's the monthly revenue and profit margins that you're typically seeing?
0: Oh boy. Uh, here we go. <laughs> so <laughs> in our business right now, we're seeing about like, uh, anywhere between 120 uh, 120,000 per month, To this month, we're on track for, we're on track for 260. This first week that we've been, as of this recording, has been the best week we've ever had. We've hired a whole sales team. It's, it's, it's astonishing. My my wife, she talks to me sometimes. She's like, what are those dings going off on your phone? And I'm like, oh, that's Slack. She's like, it's it's 1 a.m. and the baby's up and we're feeding the baby and Slack is going off. Who is talking on Slack? I was like, no, no, no. We just got a financing application approved. We have a new sale coming through. She's like, this is crazy. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's very, <laughs> it's it's driving a lot of anxiety, but because now we got to reduce, we gotta make sure that they're successful. But yeah, 120 to on track to 260 this month.
1: And so uh where's where's the goal? What are you what are you trying to get to? How are you how far are you trying to scale this?
0: So there's two goals. The goal is to Get to a seven figure run rate and sustain that seven figure run rate without saturating the market. And those are two competing goals because we sell programs. When you sell a program, you collect cash up front, you make sure the person is successful, they get a return on your investment, everybody's happy. And then what happens? You have no more money. So what do you have to do? You have to sell another program. We realized this really when we first started this. And we realized that, okay, we need to do two things. We need to make sure that our business stays alive so that we can serve our customers. We also need to make sure that our customers do not get customers on top of customers next door to them, everybody offering fingerprinting service, because that's how you blow up an industry, right? Not good. Then everybody's going to hate us. Then we, then we all fail. So that's not good either. So what we realized that we have to do is we have to sell programs, create an industry, decentralize the fingerprinting industry, and you know allow people to come financially free, make their own, but all that stuff, that, that's the core value. That's the core mission. But we also need to make sure that we don't step on our toes in doing that and that we still stay successful so that we can help our customers. So the way we do that is we sell the programs very picky with who we sell to. You, you, like, you can hop on a call with us. We will literally tell you if you're not a good fit or if you're not in a good area. Like we, The sale doesn't matter to us. What matters to us is the long-term success of the client because that means we're going to become successful. Because after your program is done and you're making money... We offer marketing services. We offer continued education, coaching, newer products. We want less customers for a longer time than more customers in a shorter time. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that does. That does make sense. So it's a, a sustained, recurring revenue model in some ways.
0: Correct. Yeah, and it, if I mean, and we've mapped this out before. We've you know we we've a lot of late nights. Uh, doing huddles on Slack and Zoom calls and trying to figure this out. But we've come up with like a line graph, you know, kind of like a little bit of a a bell curve to say like, listen, our business is on the uptrend. We're going to level out and then we're going to come down a little bit and then we'll probably sustain. And once we start sustaining, that means we have enough clients within the U.S. They're getting marketing services from us, continue education coaching. What do we do then? How do we continue, you know, moving forward? Well, what we do then is we just start doing the same model that we did for fingerprinting in another industry. So we move horizontally instead of vertically. And that's our plan, not just with fingerprinting. And this is like a 10, 15 year Is you know, e-learning and, you know, educational offers and coaching and courses and things like that masterminds, like they're here to stay. They're not going anywhere. We don't plan to do this with just fingerprinting, like fingerprinting on the spectrum is just a blip in the timeline. We want to do this with fingerprinting. We want to do this with drug testing, power wash, all these other types of real businesses, not make money online, you know, I mean, you can make money online, but you know, not anything that is really hard to start off real businesses for real people that get real results that are not difficult to start.
1: And I have it in my notes here that you use uh, WooSender CRM to manage your leads and customers. Uh, what was it about that software that made you want to utilize that as your CRM?
0: Oh yeah. Shout out to the WooSender team. It's crazy. So the WooSender team, I bought it on a whim about like probably two years ago now was, uh, I did not purchase it at the right time, did not have the lead flow that like we should have had. But with WooSender, it's very text message heavy, very text message heavy. We live in a, in a world of like email is still King email newsletters, email marketing, still the best, but to get that reply, especially to people who's busy, text messages are the best. I've never found as good as a software as predictive text message campaigns as WooSender is. WooSender is honestly the best I've used so far, and I've used a few of them. You can enroll people with a name, email, and phone number, and you could send them campaigns automation and try to book times with them and get them on the phone. You could do predictive text message sending, just like how you do predictive emails with all these email softwares. You can now do it with text messages. You can book automatic calls in your calendar, totally done for you using like an AI. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen ever. And WooCenter does it for us. They pick up like so much slack from our business. WooCenter does the job of like three full-time people. I swear it's crazy.
1: Wow. What's the biggest thing you're struggling with today as a business owner? And I'm not going to let you say time.
0: No, no. That's everybody's easy (laughs) out, right? No, you know, that's funny um, because that's what I was going to (laughs) say, but it's not. But if you think about it, it's not time. It's what you do every day. So I always think about like, what task am I doing? And is that task moving the needle forward for our mission? If my task is... Picking up the piece of paper on my floor because it annoys me because I just want to tidy up my office. Well, that's great, but like, did I do anything to? Fur- Does that further the mission? No. So it wouldn't be time. It'd actually be laser focus. And I'm not saying that I let my office get messy or I don't feed my kids. You know, <laughs> like you still have an <laughs> obligation as a as a human, as a as a as a parent. But if there's something that you're doing that you can pay somebody else to do and have laser focus on your mission, just do it. It sounds crazy, but being a business owner, the more money you make, the more money you have to spend to buy back your time. So time, yes, but not time. It's time because you need laser focus on the mission in order to keep moving forward. So I would say focus.
1: That's a great answer. And so then I'm going to ask you for some more advice. What's the number one piece of advice that you'd give to someone who wants to start a fingerprinting business?
0: Do your research. And I'm not going to do the shameless plug of, say, to go to fingerprintingclasses.com and sign up for a call. No, not going to do that. Because... I know, I know what we do and I, I know that if people do their research and they really do it for themselves and really see how you want to start this, that if you end up coming to our company to do it, that's great. But if you end up just purchasing a scanner and a system and you have marketing chops and you know how to build a website, then do that because honestly, our program probably wouldn't help you. It would be money not well spent. But make sure you do your research first. Go to Google type in how to start a fingerprinting business, go to YouTube, I'm not the only person on YouTube that's doing this. There's other people. So it it would be unethical if I said, go and type this in and we're the only ones that show up. It's kind of, you know, <laughs> it's kind of being around the bush with it, but, but do your research. Cause you'd be, you'd be surprised with what you do find. Although there's not a lot of information on this industry, there will be somebody who may be 15 miles down the road from you who does a fingerprinting business, call them, do your research, really check out the business, make sure that it's right for you, make sure that it's something you really want to do. Now, I could tell you that this business gives you great margins, it's very fulfilling, it's a necessary service. So like during the pandemic, it was not shut down. The only fingerprinting business that shut down were the ones that decided to shut down. So it was an essential service, but just do your research, do your research. And when you're ready to make a decision, reach out to somebody who's done it before, and find out how you could do it.
1: That's going to bring us to a section of our show that we call our Blitz Questions. So these come from our YouTube community. You can find UpFlip on YouTube as well, where we're interviewing entrepreneurs from all across the spectrum of, of the types of businesses that you can open. So for these, just a, just a quick hit answer as we go into it. The first question is, what is your favorite business book? And you've mentioned a couple, so I'm going to ask you to, to give us another one that you might recommend for people.
0: How to Win Friends and Influence People.
1: Next question is, what car do you drive?
0: A Nissan Rogue Red mobile.
1: <laughs> Love it. What would your ultimate business superpower be? Laser focus. Do you have a life mantra and what is it? Help people. And then uh, the final question, what is the one thing you cannot start your day without? And again, uh, coffee is not an allowed answer for this question. Seeing my kids, my wife and my kids. That's going to do it for this episode of the UpFlip Podcast. Daniel Jerkowitz of uh, Fingerprinting Classes. Thank you so much for joining us on the show.
0: Alex, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your hospitality. I really appreciate it. I hope we brought enough value to everybody. And yeah, thank you. It was very enjoyable.
1: Absolutely. And for everybody out there, make sure you check out UpFlip on YouTube. Check out the UpFlip blog at upflip.com slash blog and come back here every week for another episode of the UpFlip Podcast.